0: What's going on family? Happy Monday and welcome to another edition of the Faction Quick Hits. I'm your man GB Gerard Bonner and I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you've had a fantastic weekend. Certainly it's been a big sports weekend as the Olympics have kicked off in Tokyo, Japan. Believe it or not, that did not negatively impact New Japan Pro Wrestling. We might get into that, but there's a lot of other things to get into. But first, as always, thank you so much for your continued support of all things connected to the Faction Action, whether you're joining us in the socials at The Faction Show, or of course, If you are joining us via podcast, thank you so much. If you are not subscribed, click the subscribe button. And if you are subscribed, thank you so much. It really does mean the world to me. Also, let me just mention this to you because some of our supporters have talked about perhaps missing episodes and things like that. You can always go back and check out previous episodes if you've missed them. Of course, on our socials, we'll usually post when we've got an episode, but all of our archived episodes are available on the channel that you're listening to us on right now. So, by all means, whether it's Apple, Google, whatever, you can always listen to what we've got going on. So, with that said, go back and check out some previous episodes that you may have missed. They're not super long, but I guarantee you they're going to give you some information that will uh, certainly help you out and some opinions that I think you'll enjoy as well. So, with that said... Lots to get into, including what happened this weekend, which was just a massive weekend. Let's first start with SmackDown, another big show for WWE. It's the first time that SmackDown emanated from two locations at the same time, that being in Cleveland, Ohio, and of course, at Rolling Loud in Miami, Florida. Now, this week's episode of SmackDown brought in 2.008 million viewers, which is down about hundred and seventy seven thousand viewers from the previous week so there's a couple of things first and foremost obviously there was massive momentum coming with the return of fans to the arena So a lot of people definitely were tuned in for that. I thought it was a great episode of SmackDown. In fact, I thought that the last week of WWE has really brought a major resurgence to the product, and this week's episode of SmackDown, I don't think let us down at all. I thought it was a fantastic episode with some really big moments from John Cena in the beginning, you know, with his promo, of course, to the ending promo with Roman Reigns, and I think a lot of us are still buzzing off of the fact that Roman Reigns kind of went Attitude Era on us, and that's not something we've seen or heard from Roman Reigns ever, so I think that's going to endear some fans to him. I know a lot of people on the socials were talking, as well as what Paul Heyman did in his version of John Cena's theme song, which is, pretty hilarious to say the least so i definitely think there were some big hits and wins for smackdown i also think there was a miss or two and so let me go ahead and dive into that this rolling loud situation which optically was epic right like it was just really something you don't get to see every day pro wrestling at a live music festival was huge, it was massive. There were easily over 80,000 people, maybe even 100,000 people there on Friday night. It was incredible to see. However, and this is where I think things are interesting. While I do think the optics were great and it proved to produce some great visuals, I don't think the effect was properly reached. Truth be told, there's not necessarily a large cross-section of hip-hop fans who are wrestling fans, particularly if there's not been some sort of engagement there. So it certainly felt like the folks who were there were watching this just to pass the time. They did not have any sort of real connection to what was going on. And I gotta say, to give them Chad Gable versus Angelo Dawkins as the first match probably wasn't the best move either. That wasn't going to get them inspired, but I will say this, and this is going to sound controversial, but you'll get it. I understand why the Street Profits and Bianca Belair were there. It makes sense. You have to understand your demographic, and I think they understood very clearly, okay, who would this crowd in their mind relate to? Here's the only problem. If you're dealing with a group of fans who are not real wrestling fans, then I don't know that they're going to be moved as much by seeing melanin in there as they would by seeing superstars they recognize. So if you are not familiar with wrestling, you likely don't know who the Street Profits are. You likely don't know who Bianca Belair is. And as beautiful as Bianca Belair may be, these folks were seeing folks twerk all weekend long so i think the idea on paper looked great the execution not so much and it really kind of felt like okay these folks aren't getting this song let's hurry up and get this song over with right so i don't know that they'll do that again if they do it has to be a scenario where there is some buy-in. Now John Cena probably could have worked that crowd. Roman Reigns could have probably worked that crowd. (laughs) I don't know that something that large uh, was the right move for those wrestlers. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Bianca Belair is amazing. You guys know that. But I also think that, again, we've got to remember Bianca Belair is barely five years into this industry. Is she ready to be in front of 80,000 people who are not wrestling fans? Because that's the other thing. The energy that we got from the Cleveland folks was far greater than the energy that we got Got from rolling loud so in my opinion i think again it's a great optic it's great to say that hey we performed in front of this massive amount of people but if they're not really into the sport then it's kind of pointless right like I'll just be up front with you I'm not a car guy not at all so if you bring you know NASCAR to wherever I am I'll sit and tolerate it because I have to but I'm gonna wait until we get to what I actually came for and that's what Friday night felt like when Rolling Loud was on so I don't think it achieved what WWE wanted but Again, you're in front of 80,000 people, so you're in front of 80,000 people. Hopefully in the future, WWE will appreciate putting their product in front of an audience that actually is vested in it. It makes a world of difference. One of the few mistakes I think WWE has made in this post-pandemic era, and I'm calling it post, but it's not really post. With that said, let me also throw this in here, that I also think it was irresponsible. Okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and put it out there. It is challenging enough, quite honestly, to have fans back at Pro Wrestling. Getting 14,000, 15,000 people together in close quarters while COVID-19 is continuing to rage is probably not the smartest move. It's probably not the most sensitive move as well. But then to show the product in front of eighty or 90,000 people who are in even closer quarters than the folks in Cleveland, bad move, all the way around and so i think wwe uh, really has to go back to the drawing board on that because i think this is the first major mistake they have made although i don't know that it's going to tear down their momentum because i do think they have great momentum with a great in-ring product right now so we'll see how this works out and it could be one of the things that we're talking about as the blunders of 2021. With that said, there's some other big news to talk about. First, let's dig into what's going on with the NWA. This is SHW 29. It's going to be an absolutely stellar night with two big title matches and the most unpredictable show in all of independent wrestling. Come on, somebody stop this. The monster. They thought they wanted. Okay, so it's been a while, admittedly, since we've talked about the NWA here on The Faction. One of the reasons why is they've gone through some significant changes. One of those major changes being NWA Power, now available on Fight TV, it's a pay-per-view situation, basically $5 a month to get access to the NWA. With that said, they're also putting you know some features and the like on their YouTube channel and they've made a big announcement that the NWA is returning to the chase in St. Louis for four big nights. It's gonna kick off with the NWA's first ever all-female pay-per-view, it's called Empower, and it'll take place on Saturday, August the 28th in St. Louis, that'll be followed on August the 29th with NWA 73, as the NWA honors 73 years of what they've been doing in this sport. Then, for the next two nights, the 30th and the 31st of August will be tapings for NWA Power, the first time that NWA Power has been taped outside of Atlanta and with an audience since the pandemic, so it should be very, very interesting to see. With all of that said, I've got to tell you, I did take a little peek at what's going on with the NWA, and there are some Cool moments happening. I love seeing, of course, the Pope right now as a television champion. I'm enjoying seeing JTG, one of our first interviews here on The Faction, uh, really doing well in the hunt for the National Heavyweight Championship. Really cool to see him there. Some other superstars are there as well. I will say, though, that it doesn't feel like the initial iteration of the NWA and NWA power. It feels different and part of the reason why is it's the intangibles for me, right? The things that people don't really talk about that make a great wrestling broadcast. First and foremost, I think we enjoyed the old school feel of the NWA from their graphics to the production, et cetera, et cetera. However, post pandemic, it kind of feels like they need to step it up a bit. So for instance, they've got great flyers for Empower and NWA 73. That's important. I don't see that same level of production and effort going into their finished product. It still feels... Uh, The only way I can describe it is ICW from the 80s. Now, most of you have no clue what that is, right? So let me just put it to you this way. It is the equivalent. Here it is. It's the equivalent of network television versus local access TV. And we don't see local access TV much anymore. But local access TV does not have that Polished, finished look to it. And listen, everybody is stepping things up with fans back. Ring of Honor really has been stepping things up. And we haven't talked much about them, but the way they've stepped up their production since they returned last year is really something incredible. And I think that the NWA could really, really learn from that. Impact has stepped things up. The NWA has got to step things up here's the other challenge the nwa has in the commentary booth now of course you expected me to say that right i mean after all commentary is what we do The commentary has always been one of the most important elements of pro wrestling because what it does is it helps to guide us as fans, it guides us, and it helps to give us direction in terms of what we're seeing, what we're experiencing, why we should care, it tells stories, it does all of those things, and it serves as the perfect soundtrack to the music that's being made inside the ring. So if you look at the marriage between the two, you kind of look at who's in the ring ring as the singers, if we're talking music, and you look at what's happening in terms of production, you look at what happens in terms of commentary as the accompaniment, right? If your keys and your guitar and your bass and your drums are off, then it doesn't matter how great the people in the ring are singing. It's just not going to sound right. There has to be a cohesive unit. I feel like the NWA is missing that, and it's happening at the commentary booth. What we didn't realize is this. NWA power, when things started, it featured, of course, he had Joe Galley, who was a steady Eddie, but he had Jim Cornette. He had Stu Bennett, a.k.a. Wade Barrett. He had folks who were ingratiated in the sport of pro wrestling who actually could tell stories, who cemented what he was doing. That's not what you have right now. There's a clip right now floating around of some work that's being done for a new thing they're calling the championship draft or the championship series, where it's got Joe Galley and a young lady named Mae Valentine. Well, Mae Valentine before was doing random promos uh, before the pandemic. Since the return of the NWA, she was doing backstage interviews, and none of it felt right. It didn't feel like you know she's the hard-hitting reporter or she's that person who can do the- these interviews let alone commentary and you guys know this is not about her being a woman at all I love what women do in the wrestling industry and I feel that they need to do more of it I just think that there's somebody better that they've got to be able to have at commentary perhaps Mickey James or perhaps some other name that we're not thinking about that could be utilized well in the NWA with that said the NWA is also feeling very independent to me they're not feeling like the massive company they're not feeling like a ring of honor or lord knows an AEW or WWE and part of what we're seeing with that is their talent is wrestling in other places so for instance I saw Uh, Slice Boogie, who's part of the NWA, also part of Major League Wrestling this weekend. Uh, Several folks who we've seen in the NWA or in other places are working in other spaces, and perhaps it's because there's the opportunity to get an additional payday, which I understand. But I also think that the NWA not having their own exclusive wrestlers Could ultimately work against them I don't know but they're building some things I will say that I hope this pay-per-view is successful for them I feel like they need a number of wins and they certainly need additional revenue so being back on the road will be helpful for them and hopefully we'll move NWA power back to YouTube I'll be interested to see if there are numbers available to tell us how things are going in terms of the viewership with NWA power on fight TV Versus on YouTube. All right, a couple of other things before we go. Matter of fact, I think I'll just do one thing before we go because we're running a little long on time, but I hope you guys are enjoying things. I hope you are. And that is GCW. Here's another space we haven't talked about much here on the faction, except for, you know, what they've been doing with their gathering called the Collective, which was certainly a big set of cards during WrestleMania week. And of course, they picked that back up last year after Wrestlemania which there was some interesting things happening well the big piece of news about GCW has been their champion Nick Gage engaged dare I say in a war with Matt Cardona formerly known as Zack Ryder now Matt Cardona of course was just an impact last week for Impact Slam Anniversary. this match has been building for months there's been all sorts of crazy promo around it Matt Cardona over the weekend at GCW homecoming defeats nick gage to become the gcw world champion in one of the craziest matches i have ever seen it was deathmatch personified i i I don't know right like deathmatch has its place i'm not sure about it but what i gathered from watching first of all is the fans of gcw are bloodthirsty in a way that I haven't seen in modern wrestling, right? Like ECW bloodthirsty. I mean ECW original bloodthirsty. It's a thing, a major thing, and it makes me downright nervous, to be perfectly honest with you. And the visceral response from Matt Cardona winning the GCW championship is unlike anything I've ever seen, quite frankly, since Hulk Hogan joined the NWO trash made its way to the ring people cussed like crazy people were mad which says to me that gcw absolutely has a connection with its fans and with nick gage the interesting part about this is nick gage who a lot of us learned about of course as part of dark side of the ring earlier this year will be at aew this wednesday in a death match seemingly against gcw chris jericho as part of this situation he has going on with mjf i'm nervous to be perfectly honest with you about nick gage in aew nick gage only knows one speed folks and so him wrestling with a major company it certainly seems like a one-off to me there is a relationship between aew and gcw a lot of that has to do with joey janela of course being one of the owners of gcw But listen, I feel very, very antsy about this. And I don't know what's going to happen. But Nick Gage makes me very uncomfortable. And so it's part of the reason why we'll be tuned in this Wednesday to Dynamite to see what happens between Nick Gage and Chris Jericho. I don't know, folks. But I think we're going to be talking about it for a while. Them on live national television gonna be something to say the least so with that said I'm gonna get out of here I hope you guys have an absolutely amazing day hit us up of course on the socials at the faction show and uh, yeah you just never know what's gonna happen we'll be keeping you up to speed with all sorts of wrestling news and there's still more to cover but we'll cover it in the coming days until next time family representing from a good brother's Courtney beard Brandon Clack on the fourth Horseman John Murray my name is Gerard Bonner and this is the faction happy Monday